0: Happy to be worshiping together with everyone hey who 's ready to talk politics <laughs> isn 't that isn 't that fun isn 't that fun? yeah, instantly our viewership is like going through uh, the floor <laughs> but hey no we are we 're starting this brand new series today, a better country talking about politics and how Christians should interact with politics since obviously here we are we are only a few days away from the two thousand and twenty election. Um, it is kind of funny though, like it, you would think i 'm trying to run people off that i 'm trying to like Thin the Herd at church, because we just finished a series about horror movies. We just finished a series about horror movies, and I'm up here talking how much I love Halloween, and then we followed up with politics. Like, I'm just making everybody mad right now. Um... One, one thing I'm mad about, though, is I wish, I wish, wish, wish I was better at doing like a Biden or a Trump impersonation because I would have just, I would have preached the whole sermon like that, but unfortunately, I can't do a good one of either of them, so you're, you're lucky. You don't have to hear me try to work through that, but hey, here we are, like I said, starting off this series. Uh, today's sermon title, if you're taking notes, today's sermon title is Long Live the King, Long live the king. Now, this two-part series, I want to just issue this disclaimer at the beginning. It's just a short little two-part series. I want to say how vital this is, how important this is, and I want you to know if at any point you feel like something is stinging you and you're like, uh, feels like he's talking about me, feels like he's talking to me, I want you to know I'm talking to myself too because a lot of the stuff that we're going to be discussing today are things that as I was studying and as I was preparing for the sermon, I'm like, man. That's something I gotta be careful of. Man, that's something I need to watch out for. That's something that I can fall into. So please, if you feel ouchy at any moments, same, <laughs> same, because I am right there with you. But this is important. Man, this is important that we talk about this stuff uh, because it's huge. Like this election, it's it's big and it's always big. Like it feels like every election, we're like, oh, this is a big one. This is gonna be a big one, right? And I'm, we're gonna be saying it in 2024. Oh, this is huge. This is an important election. But this one is pretty crazy, right? I mean, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. We've had all the racial tensions and issues going on. Um, Social media, it just feels like every election is more amplified than the last because social media just keeps getting bigger and bigger and it adds fuel to the fire. And so it just gets crazy. And whenever I think about it, I'm like, man, our, our witness, our witness, our faith, our relationships, our identity as Christians, all of these things are on the line. Not with how we vote, but with how we act. Not with how we vote, but with how we act. And it's all gonna be on display over these next couple days, these next couple weeks. And uh, it's just so important that we really just focus in, recenter on Jesus and on his message. So as we get ready to uh, start in today, would you pray with me just real quick? Father God, we ask for your help today. (laughs) We know that passions can uh, uh, just go through the roof Whenever politics come into play, we all feel so strongly in our own ways about different issues. So God, what we ask is that today you would be able to help us sort through our feelings and to focus on you, to focus on your truth, what you would have to say to us in the midst of this election season. Because God, above all else, above wanting our candidate to win, above wanting our side to win, we want you to be glorified. That's the outcome we want this election cycle, you to be glorified. So God, help us, your people, bring that to fruition. And we will give you the honor, we will give you the glory and the praise. And we pray this in your name and everybody said in agreement, amen, amen. Well, hey, I wanna start us off with a statement that, and again, make people mad right off the start. Here we go, let's just just get right into it. (laughs) So here's the thing, whenever it comes to this election cycle, your vote matters, and it doesn't. <laughs> like, it, it, it matters. Like, your, your vote matters, but it also kind of doesn't. And that's my vote, too. My, like, it matters, and at the same time, it doesn't. Um, and this is, this is what I mean by that. Um, it's, it's important to vote. It is critical to vote. I'm going to be voting. <laughs> like, I, I haven't voted yet. I'm going to be voting in person at my polling location on November 3rd. But it's important to vote. It's important. It's important to, uh, I mean, it's a privilege first, first off, right? It's something that people have literally died for. Like people have literally died for this, for this right for us to be able to voice our opinion, to be able to speak up in a democracy and in a republic. So it is a very important thing to vote, to support the candidates you believe are best, to support the ideas you think are good ideas, the issues you think are good issues. It is a privilege. So don't get me wrong. It's important to vote for those reasons. It's important to vote for those reasons. But is it important to vote because you want this to be a better country? Is it important to vote because you have an idea of the kind of change that needs to happen and so that's why you're voting? If that's the case, then I'm just gonna say, your vote doesn't really matter. Your vote doesn't really matter. And please stick with me, because you might be going, well, hold on. How does it not matter? What, what's he taking? Yeah, where is he going with this? How does, how does that make sense? Whenever it comes to change, true change, our votes don't matter. And here is why. Here's the crux of it. We cannot legislate sin and suffering away. We can't do it. We cannot legislate our way to holiness. It can't happen. Jesus said as much himself. We just can't do it. Like, it's great to vote to support your candidate. It's great to vote for the issues that you believe are important. But if you are voting because you feel like, man, this vote is what's gonna change the course of our country, you're wrong. You're wrong because we cannot legislate sin and suffering away. Jesus said as much himself. The true issues that plague our country, all the things that we talk about, all the things we talk about, and they're important things, those are symptoms. Those are just symptoms of core issues, and core issues legislation doesn't fix them those are heart issues those are issues of the heart and legislation's not going to fix it the best thing that legislation passing laws the best things that presidents and senators and congress people the best thing that they can do is just behavior modification that's it soul transformation the thing that will actually change our country and make it a better country we don't get that from the laws we don't get that from how the election turns out on Tuesday. That's, that's not where true change is going to come from. We cannot legislate sin and suffering away. Essentially, what ends up happening, laws, what they do, laws force compliance, not change. They force compliance. Laws force loyalty. Like, okay, I'll be loyal to that law because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get, uh, you know, fined. I don't want to go to prison. So I'll be loyal to that law, but it doesn't generate love. Laws does not, they, they, they just don't do that. They don't do that. It makes me think, um, sadly, I've had so many experiences where I've been counseling people uh, who are in a marriage and it's just started to go south, right? Someone's been uh, unfaithful or the way that they talk to each other, there's just no respect there. There's just no respect. And so there's just tons of tension and I've actually heard this statement uh, said before, and I know uh, uh, Pastor Brenda. She shared about stuff like this before in her past, whenever she's been counseling, um, where people have been talking, and, and uh, you know, you're saying like, "Well, is this is this heading to divorce? Is that where this is going?" And uh, in particular, the one couple that I was talking to, the the spouse, uh, the wife, said, uh, "No, no, divorce." Isn't an option. And I said, okay. And I'm thinking, well, good, good. They're going to try to work it out. And I'm like, well, that's, that's encouraging. That's encouraging to hear. And she says, well, it's not because I love him. It's not because I love him. But I'm just loyal to the institution of marriage. Whenever she said that, I just thought like how heartbreaking. How heartbreaking. There is no love there. There's just loyalty to the institution. Loyalty to the institution of marriage. And I'm like, man, that's, that's not love. That's not truly being in it, right? That's not truly being in it. That's not a a, a true change, right? That's not true change of the heart. It's no, I'm just gonna stay here because I'm loyal to the idea of marriage and to the institution of marriage. And you see, that's what laws do. They get us loyal. They get us to where we're like, okay, I'll, I'll comply with this but it doesn't change our heart. (laughs) It doesn't really change our heart. It doesn't change who we are on the inside. And again, Jesus said as much himself. This is not Pastor Jacob's opinion. This is Jesus saying this himself, that, hey, look, laws are great, they are not gonna change your heart. They do not make sin and suffering go away. This is what Jesus said. This is Jesus speaking uh, uh, right before he is condemned to be crucified. This is Jesus talking actually to a political official, to Pontius Pilate. This is what he says to him as they're discussing. Jesus says in John 18, 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, My servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus made it explicit. He's like, look, if anyone has ever been confused, let me set the record straight. My kingdom, what I have come to set up, it is not of this world. Now, a lot of times we think, oh, that means it's like, it's a, it's, Otherworldly. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Not only is it like a, it's not just otherworldly, it's completely upside down of everything you have been accustomed to. My kingdom is not of this world man how how different politics would be for us as christians if we could just really grasp John 1836 and remember this remember this whenever we engage political discussion remember this whenever we go into the polls to vote that jesus's kingdom the kingdom that we are a part of the kingdom of god is not of this world what jesus is saying here is he's like look it's not just that my kingdom is is different and it's not just that my i'm not even saying my kingdom is a perfect representation of the political systems on earth here. It's like a perfect representation of it. Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's completely different. You don't even have anything that's even remotely like my kingdom. My kingdom is so foreign to you, you have no idea. There's not anything, even the American political system, which whenever you look around the world, it's one of the best ones. Even the American political system doesn't even remotely come close to the kingdom of God in the way that Jesus has it intended, the way that things are supposed to be set up. And so Jesus, whenever he looks at the politics of this world, whenever he looks at how we do it, even in the best system in the world, how we do it, he goes, yeah, yeah, my kingdom isn't anything like that. It's not anything like that. Even the best you can do pales in comparison to what I have in mind. So politics, like politics in the sense of what what they truly are, Jesus had no interest in them, none, none. None. That's why whenever, and again, don't take my word for this. Read your Bible. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see how often Jesus truly talks about politics. And here's the thing. This is the thing I want to remind all of us. To the Republicans who under Barack Obama said, oh, we're living in a dictatorship, and this guy's awful. And to the people who are now saying, we live in Nazi Germany because of President Trump. To the people saying that, get this. Jesus actually lived in those conditions. He actually lived under a real emperor who truly thought he was God. The emperor thought he was God, thought that he was a deity himself. He lived in a time where women weren't, you know, just treated as second-class citizens. They literally were property, literally were property. Lived in a time where it was just, Awful, the Roman Empire at the time when Jesus came in to the world, just an awful situation that Jesus came into a truly terrible political system that Jesus came into. And guess how often he talked about, we need to tear this thing down and we need to do this and we need to overthrow this, and we need to do this. Zero. Zero. In fact, numerous times in scripture, we see Jesus's followers pushing him to try to do it, saying, let's do this. Like they tried to make him king and he would withdraw. He would withdraw. People would try to run off and say, hey, this guy's the Messiah. And Jesus would specifically tell them, don't tell anyone that. Don't do it. Don't try to push me. Don't try to force me. My kingdom is not of this world. Everything with Jesus was personal, not political. Everything was personal, not political. And yet here we are, Here we are, both sides, both sides. And I'm not trying to be like, you know, well, both sides are, but it kind of is. But both sides play this game where we, we, we try to shame people into talking up And speaking up, we try to shame, well, well, you need to stand up. If if There's all these people out here who support President Trump and no one's saying anything. You need to speak up. You need to speak up and say you support him. So, you you know, we see who really is out there supporting him. And, man, you need to speak up against President Trump. And you need to speak up for President Biden. And you need to take a stand and pick a side, pick a side, take a stand. And I look at Jesus' example. I look at how Jesus was. Living in a true dictatorship, living in the Roman Empire, and I I hear this, and I I see people saying, you can't be silent, and I think, well, actually, I can. Actually, I can, and arguably, I should. Not only can I be silent, and I see that from Jesus' example when people try to thrust him into overthrowing a truly tyrannical, evil government, and Jesus says, I'm not gonna do it. Not only can I be silent, maybe I should. Maybe rather than always speaking up, I need to start living things out in my own life. Again, maybe instead of political, I need to take things personal. I need to think things personal. So this is, I I already know where your mind might be going. You might be thinking, okay, hold on. So does this mean that we as followers of Jesus, we do nothing? Like we just do nothing. Is that what you mean? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying we do nothing. I'm saying we do the right thing. (laughs) not do nothing, do the right thing. We need to be focused on doing the right thing. And this is what I mean. We can get so caught up and we can get so passionate because we feel so strongly about these issues and we should. There's a lot of issues that are at play that we should feel strongly about. But whenever we feel strongly about an issue, what do we say? Like, I gotta do something. I have to do something. Let's do something. Let's do something. It's great to have passion. It's great to do something. But is that something the right thing? Like, is the something the right thing? Maybe we should stop. Why don't you put that in the chat? Why don't you put that in the comments? Is is the something I want to do the right thing? (laughs) Just because we're passionate, just because we feel like we need to do something, we need to ask ourselves, man, is this the right thing? Is this the the Jesus thing? I think about uh, a friend of mine, Joe Myers. This is years ago, years ago. He lived uh, at my parents' house for a while. And uh, one day, I don't know, he he just got in the mood to do something. He just wanted to help out, just wanted to do something. And so he decided, you know, I'm going to mow the lawn for Charlie. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and mow the lawn, which is super nice, right? But parents have a big yard, really big side yard. And so Joe was like, I'm going to take it on me. I'm just going to go ahead and mow it for Charlie. He doesn't have to worry about it. So he did it. He goes out there and mows it, which was awesome. And then Joe, just feeling like, again, I just want to do something. Like, I just want to do something nice for people. Joe decides to also start mowing our neighbor, Karen Newman, her lawn as well, which again, On the surface, sounds awesome. He's doing something, right? He's doing something. But here's the thing. (laughs) Karen's yard, like my parents' yard, it's just kind of, it's just a yard. Like they don't have any irrigation system. They don't have scots come out. They don't do any of that stuff. It's just whatever is there, that's what's growing. (laughs) Like they don't, no weed control, nothing like that, Right? Karen, on the other hand, <laughs> does have Scotts come out. <laughs> Karen, on the other hand, is meticulous. Her lawn always looks great, always a vibrant green, no weeds anywhere, like takes immaculate care of it. So Joe starts mowing her lawn, and he mowed it way too low. Like, I mean, way, it looked like a putting green by the time he was done, right? Like, just mowed it way too low, And so within, I'm not kidding, within like a couple hours, it was already starting to turn colors. Like it was already in the July heat, already starting to turn colors. Joe did something. (laughs) He did something all right. He he destroyed her lawn. Needless to say, Karen was not too thrilled about the something that Joe did. Joe was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Um, he, He just got carried away, right? He was feeling passionate about doing something, which was great. He, he, he did something, but was that something the right thing? Was that something the right thing? And I think about that with us, and I'm like, man, we, we can get so passionate about doing something, about saying something, and that's great, but we need to ask ourselves, is the something the right thing? Is the something the right thing? And this is what I want to tell you, the right thing that we should be doing, the right thing that we should be doing whenever it comes to politics, it's not found in the DNC or RNC party platforms. there's good stuff in there. There's good stuff in both of them, but the right thing is not found in either of those places. It's found in the way of Jesus. That's where the right thing is found. It is found in the way of Jesus every single time. Again, I'm not saying that I disagree with stuff in the Democratic platform. There's good stuff in there. I'm not saying that I disagree with stuff in the Republican platform. There's good stuff in there. There's stuff in the Libertarian Party platform I agree with. There's, There's stuff all over the place. In fact, just a little side note, you should find yourself agreeing with the other party, at least occasionally. If not, you might just be a partisan. <laughs> like, but there should be times where you go, okay, so that's actually a good point. Oh, and that's a good point. Oh, and that's a good point too. So little side note. But again, there's good stuff in all these platforms, but good stuff is just good stuff. Good stuff isn't going to turn this into a better country. It's just good. Right, We need something better. We need something better to make it a better country, and that better thing is the way of Jesus, the way that is counterintuitive. It is countercultural. It's counter-everything. The way of Jesus, it just completely runs up against everything that we think should be happening in a political system, (laughs) right? The way of Jesus, his kingdom is not of this world. And because it's not of this world, that's why we see something shift in the world When Jesus comes on the scene, even secularists, people who don't follow God, people who don't believe Jesus is the son of God, they look at his life and you see the way that human history changed from the moment that Jesus arrived on the scene, from the moment that he instituted his ministry, the way he started treating women, the way he started treating people, the way he started treating the oppressed, the way that he he was so focused on others. He changed the world, the way of Jesus is so countercultural. It completely changed everything. It changed everything for the better. And so if we're wanting to change things for the better, we need to follow the way of Jesus. Because doing the old way of things, that just gets the old results. But if we want a better country, it comes through the way of Jesus. So real quick, what does that look like? What does the way of Jesus look like? Well, it looks like a bunch of things. We're gonna go through these uh, uh, pretty quick here. The first one, Jesus' way is personal. Jesus's way is personal. It is not public. It's personal, not public. We we live in a world that prioritizes public stances. Take a stand. Take a public stand. We want to hear you come out and say this or say that. And th- there was a joke running around online for a while uh, that like Taylor Swift, uh, her silence is deafening. Like she needs to speak up on this issue. And so there was a running joke around uh, that, like on Twitter and on social media for a while. Whenever anything would happen, people would just post. Taylor Swift's silence is deafening on this issue. Like, she needs to speak up. We need to hear what she thinks about this. That's what we want. That's what our society craves, is big public declarations of what we're going to do, of where we stand. And Jesus is like, no, 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 not public, personal. Personal. I want one-on-one interactions. I want to be able to look people in the eye and let them know how I care for them, let them know that they're valued. That's what Jesus focuses on. That's what Jesus prioritizes, personal, not public. Jesus prioritizes. The way of Jesus is grace and truth, not grace or truth. Grace and truth, 100% grace, 100% truth. He was both of them combined at the same time, a full measure of grace and truth. We tend to just want to go one way or the other. Like we, we just run to one way or the other. We're either law and order, Arrest all of them, throw them in prison. <laughs> or we're co-exists. There is no truth, there's no, everything's just kind of whatever. Like we run to these sides and it's crazy, it's crazy. And Jesus somehow is a full measure of grace and truth. He's not one or the other, he's both at the same time and we are called to be that. It's hard, <laughs> it is hard. But by following the example of Jesus, We can do it. By following his example of loving people, of prioritizing people, we can be people who are full of grace and truth as well. The other thing that Jesus prioritizes in his way is unity, not division. Unity, not division. This is, I mean, like like this one is probably the biggest one when it comes to politics. Unity, uh, uh, not division. Because this is what we get all the time, just straight up division. They They just divide everybody. Everyone, everyone becomes a group, everyone becomes a class, and that's how they talk to us, and that's how they expect us to vote, is just vote based on your class. Vote based on, well, you're middle class, this is who you should vote for. Oh, you live here, this is who you should vote for. They, they want division, and Jesus says, no, 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 unity. And all you have to do, again, look at the life of Jesus, look at the story of Jesus, look at his ministry, he's unifying He's unifying. He doesn't, he doesn't make outcasts of anyone. Even nowadays, what, what's one of the, the big ones is um, uh, like rich people. Rich people are terrible and rich people are evil. Even the Bible says it's hard for rich people to get into heaven, which again, if you look at the context of that, Jesus is saying that in the way of you know rich people, they're so used to being able to do things themselves that it's hard for them to have to ever really face up to the fact that there's something they can't do themselves, gain their own salvation. Like this is a hard thing for them. And so he's not condemning them. He's saying how hard it is for them to get into heaven to realize that they need help. And so Jesus, you look at his followers and it's made up of the poor and the wealthy. I mean, think about it. He was in a borrowed tomb. He was in a wealthy man's tomb whenever he was laid down because some of his followers were wealthy, right? And he had poor people following him. He had people who were of high esteem following him, like Nicodemus, and he had people who no one even knows their names who were following him. Jesus created unity. He had people of every creed, every color, every background, every race following him. And then here we are trying to create division, that's not the way of Jesus. That's not how we get a better country. We need unity. The way of Jesus is selflessness, not being self-centered, selflessness. Jesus, the, the cry of his heart, the cry of his ministry is, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Not what I want to happen in in this election, God, but your will. Not not my side winning another election, but your will, Father. I want your will to be done in this situation. That's what Jesus was so focused on in his ministry. That's what we need to be focused on in how we relate to politics. And then the last one, Jesus is all about restoration, not cancellation. Jesus is all about restoration, not cancellation. I can't even, (laughs) this last one, I can't believe we even have to say this as Christians. How how in the world do we even need to say that, that that's the way of Jesus? Of course it is. Of course it is. We are all benefactors. We're all people who have benefited from the sake that Jesus restores and doesn't just toss us aside right? that That's the whole reason any of us are here. None of us is worthy on our own. We're only here because Jesus hasn't canceled us, but he accepts us and he reconciles us to himself. There is redemption for all. There's redemption for all. So who in the world are we to say, oh, what'd you say? No, 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 you're done. You don't get to contribute anymore. Right. Goodbye. There's the door. Who are we to ever Say that whenever our savior welcomed us while we were still sinners, he welcomed us. No, 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 we don't get to cancel people. And here's the rub. (laughs) We like to cancel people unless they're on our side. Then it's, well, their background. Well, you need to understand the context of the situation. Well, you need to understand they were going through a hard time. We need to see everybody through that lens. Not just the people wearing red, not just the people wearing blue, everybody, see everybody the way Jesus sees them, through the eyes of restoration and reconciliation, not cancellation. That right there, this, this screen, that is the kingdom of God. Right. That's what the kingdom of God looks like personal interactions, full of grace and truth, trying to create unity at every turn, selfless, not caring about our own gain, but about the gain of others, and restoration, bringing everybody in, saying, no, you've never gone too far. You've never gotten out of God's love and out of a place of acceptance. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. And have you noticed Everything in yellow is the complete opposite of what we've been experiencing during this election cycle. And not just this one. I'm not trying to criticize President Trump or uh, Vice President Biden. Uh, It's nothing personal against them because this is true for every election cycle. The stuff in the white, that's that's what we see all the time, not the stuff in the yellow. That's what we've experienced. And that's what I mean whenever I say Jesus's kingdom, the kingdom of God, it is so upside down. It's so topsy-turvy. Think about this. The kingdom of God was instituted When its founder breathed his last breath. What other kingdom ever came into power that way? He came into power with his death. It was upside down. Everything about it was countercultural. The moment he took his last breath was the moment that the kingdom was instituted. That's the kingdom that we're a part of a kingdom that is all about selflessness, all about God, all about focusing on his way and not on our own. It's an upside down kingdom. And because it's upside down, everything works the opposite way of how you think it should, (laughs) right? It works the complete opposite way of how you would think it should. And what I mean by that is like, for example, so um, we do more for here by thinking about there more. (laughs) Isn't that kind of crazy? It's part of this upside down kingdom. It's part of this backwards is forwards way. We do more for the here and now by thinking about the there that we'll eventually be at one day. This is what C.S. Lewis says. I love this quote so much. C.S. Lewis says this in his book, Mere Christianity. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. The people who make the biggest impact right here and right now are thinking about then yes. and thinking about there. That needs to be us. That needs to be us. People who are thinking about the kingdom. When we f- think about it this way when we focus on the kingdom, we fix our world. Wow. When we focus on the kingdom, we fix our world. Put that in the yes. comments. When we focus on the kingdom, that's when. We fix our world whenever we have that just that soul focus, just that soul focus, only focusing on the kingdom. It's amazing how other things start to fall into place. It's it's actually okay, this shirt. So, this shirt, I actually bought it for a Halloween party. Halloween party, I was going to be the big bad wolf, (laughs) big bad wolf, and I needed like a flannel shirt, and so I was like, well, it's not flannel material, but it looks like it, and you know, I I like it, and it was on sale, so I'm like, there we go, I'll, I'll get that one, so I got this shirt for that reason, right, that was my sole focus, just getting it for this Halloween party. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, I can, I'll, I'll actually use it for the next time I preach. I'll use it for the next time I preach because that'll be, that'll be good and I can't be wearing, like I'm up here every week, I can't be wearing the same thing and, you know, just weird, I have to have different outfits, right? So I'm like, that's perfect, I'll use it for that too. And then I realize, oh, and I've got family photos coming up, my family photos. Guess what I'm gonna be wearing? <laughs> You're looking at it, right? And I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, that's so funny. I, I just went out with the intention of getting a shirt for Halloween, that's it. That was, my, that was the sole focus was just getting a shirt for Halloween. And all these other things start falling into place. And I'm like, man, isn't it crazy? It's just like that with the kingdom of God. Yeah. When we focus on that, when we put our attention on that, how everything else starts working out and everything else starts falling into place, it's almost like how Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Then all these other things will be added to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. Follow the example of King Jesus. This, this, this is the truth of the matter. Follow the example of King Jesus and you will do more to change the world than any vote you ever cast. I'm just gonna say it. You personally you personally taking up your cross and saying, I'm going to follow my king come hell or high water, that will do more to change the world for the better than any vote you ever cast for any candidate. Just your personal life, your personal example, the way that you personally live and interact with people, that's what's going to change the world. That's what's going to create a better country for us to live in. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. Let's just dream about that for a second. What if, what if we actually followed the teachings of Jesus rather than the talking points of our favorite podcast? What if what if we did that? What if we followed the teachings of Jesus? And again, this is an ouch for me. I've got podcasts I love. I've got podcasts I love, podcasts that I'm like, man, that guy's so on point. Or man, I love the way she thinks about things. Like I agree with that. But I have to be careful that I'm not so focused on this that I ignore this. Because the teachings of Jesus are what will win the world over. That's, this creates a better country. This creates a you know, better discussion with people. Better, you know, I, I feel better about myself. I like whenever I listen to people who I'm like, yeah, that's, I agree with that. That's good. This I don't always agree with. This is pretty hard. <laughs> this stuff's pretty hard a lot of times. It, it requires something of me. But because this is hard, that's why it creates a better country because it requires so much of me. It requires what we looked at, all those words in the yellow, the selflessness, the the personal, it it requires all of those things of me. What if we followed the teachings of Jesus? What if if we called our own political party and leaders to a higher standard? What if we we tried this? Wouldn't this be a novel thought, right? Just just the idea that like, you know what? I'm a Republican. And rather than shooting down the Democrats at every turn, I instead am going to call my, my party and my leaders to a higher standard. And you know what, I'm a Democrat, and yeah, I, I can't stand President Trump, but you know what, there's people in my party who th- they do things that I'm like, man, why are we doing that? Why do we support this? Why do we support that? And I'm gonna call them to a higher standard. I'm not gonna be shooting down everyone else. I'm gonna say to my team, I'm gonna say to my party, to my leaders, man, we need to be better. We need to be better. I don't care what the other side is doing. I could care less. Let's act as if they don't exist. Let's just be the best version of ourselves. What if we did this? What if we did this? What if we called our own people to a higher standard? What if we saw everyone? What if we saw everyone, including Donald Trump, including Joe Biden, as someone that Jesus loves so much, he died for them. What if we did that? How would that change things? How would that change our thought process? How would that change the way we, we talk about them if we realize, you know what? Jesus died for him just like he died for me. And Jesus died for him just like he died for me. And there's something, about, there's something about putting a name on it that changes it because we know intellectually, oh, Jesus died for everyone. But whenever we think about it, like, no. Jesus died for Donald. He died for him. He loves him so much He sees value in him. Jesus died for Joe. He loves him more than you can comprehend and he sees value in him. They are both image bearers of God, whether you wanna believe that or not, they are. And what if you started to see them that way? How would that change the way that we talk about politics? How would that change? I'm not even saying it would change your vote. You still may vote for him. You still may vote for him. You very well could, but it would change the way you see them. It would change the way we, uh, going back to the last series real quick, me and my wife Jessica were watching um, The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix, and there's a character in it who you're like, this dude, like, if someone's about to get killed, it needs to be him. (laughs) Because this guy is a jerk, man. He's just awful. He's so selfish the way he does things. You're like, man, this is just terrible. Well, there's an episode where you like kind of jump into his past and you see some of his, his history, and you see his mom. And you meet his mom and she's a drug addict and she's an abuser. And the way that she talks to him, the way she plays off of him, she threatens to to reveal some information about him if he doesn't give her money for drugs. And you're going, okay, still not a nice guy, but wow, (laughs) puts it into context. Suddenly, I I feel a little bit different about him. I, I still, the stuff he did, it's still not good. The stuff that he's doing is still bad, but suddenly, you have a little bit different of a way that you're viewing him. And I think, man, if we saw our people in politics this way, if we really understood that Jesus died for them just like he died for us, or just like he died for your mom, just like he died for your dad, just like he died for your wife or or your husband, if we saw them that way, how that would change things for us. What if... Man, what kind of country would the United States be if just those of us who proclaimed Jesus as our King did these things? How different would our country look? How different would the discourse look? How different would the shows and the the partisan talking heads? They wouldn't they wouldn't be in business <laughs> because we'd be like, nah, we're not listening to it. Yeah, nope, we're we're done. We're done. Because we believe the best about these people. No, because we see them as people that Jesus died for and It would be wildly different. Our country would be wildly different. It would be a better country if just us, just Jesus' followers did that. And here in closing, I want us to look at one last piece of Scripture. It's actually where we get our title for this series from. So in the book of Hebrews, there's a section of Scripture. It's called the Hall of Faith, where uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews basically walks down all of these incredible people in Scripture who have done amazing things, completely changed their world, completely changed their world uh, through their faith in God. And that's what I wanna read to us real quick. This is Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 13. We, We find out how they did these things, how they did all these amazing things and how they changed their world. This is what it says. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Next verse, verse 14, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Verse 16, instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. You see, these people, (laughs) these people listed in the hall of faith, they were able to change their world for the better because they were looking off into the distance at a better country, a heavenly one. They were focused on the kingdom of God. They were focused on what that looked like. They were so focused on that, they realized, you know what, the land I'm living in right now, I'm a stranger in this land. I'm a foreigner in this land because that's, that's what I'm truly a part of. I'm truly a part of the kingdom of God. And because they did that, the writer is saying, because they focused on that coming kingdom, they were able to change their world for the better. They were able to change the world for the better from focusing on a better country. His kingdom come, his will be done. So in conclusion, what's that mean? That means we need to stop fixating on a candidate and start following the king. Stop fixating on a candidate. Follow the king. It's really that simple. It really is. If you want a better country, you do that. I do that. Anyone who claims Jesus to be their king, just start doing that and we will be shocked at what we see happen in our country. I get it. I get it, you're passionate. <laughs> you're passionate because these issues are important issues. They, they feel like they're life or death, and in some cases, maybe they are. These are important issues that we're talking about, that we're voting on, so you know what? Vote, participate, support the candidate that you think is best, vote on the issues that are important to you, do all, this, all of those things, be passionate, but do not forget, your prime objective as a follower of the king is not to vote a certain way or support a certain party. Your prime objective as a follower of the king, love others as he has loved you. That's it. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no add-on. That's it. Love others as I have loved you. Not legislate. Love. Not legislate. Love. Love others as I have loved you, and we will see change in our world. Let's start following Our king, pray with me. King Jesus, we apologize. (laughs) We apologize for all the times that we've thought that you're just a a, a part of one of our party's platforms. We apologize for the times that we've reduced you to nothing more than just a a soundbite, really. You are our king, You are king. You become, before any party, before any legislation, before any issue on the ballot, you are king. Help us to remember that, Lord. Help us to remember your example that was so focused on people and so focused on personal interactions and so focused on unity and so focused on grace and truth and so focused on selflessness and so focused on restoration. That's your way, Jesus, And with you as our king, let us follow you in that. Let us follow your lead, let us follow your example. We want to help bring the kingdom here on earth. We wanna be like the people that we read about in Hebrews 11, people who see your kingdom and we bring it into fruition simply by following you, not by, by mandating our way or by legislating our way, but by loving our way, loving our way in every personal interaction we have. God, it's not easy. (laughs) It's not easy at all. I know a lot of times our our politicians, God love them, they try to make it sound like it's easy. If we just do this, if we just do that. No, your way is hard, Jesus. It's simple, but it's hard. Help us to be up to the challenge. And no matter what happens this Tuesday, no matter who is elected president, help us to know you are the king and you are still sitting on the throne regardless. And we are called to follow you the exact same way if Joe Biden is elected president as if Donald Trump is elected president. It should change nothing about the way we live our life and the way we follow you. Help us to remember that, Lord. We love you so much, and we pray all of this in your name. Amen, amen. Amen. Well, hey, again, I know it's a big week coming up. Uh, It's this balance, right? Voting is important. And it's not, (laughs) it matters and it doesn't. So hey, if you haven't voted yet, go vote, go vote. It is, it's a privilege, it's an honor to be able to do this. But understand at the same time that if you want a better country, it's not gonna come from the name that you put on that ballot. It's gonna come from your personal life, your personal example of living out the way of Jesus and following his lead as your king. So you be praying for me and I'm gonna be praying for you as we do that. I hope that you're back here next week as we conclude this short little two-part series. Uh, Again, I'm gonna be praying for you this week, praying that Jesus as your king guides you and that you as his follower listen to him every step of the way. Wherever you're at, go ahead and stand now and you can receive the blessing of the Lord. May Jesus Christ, our God and our king forever be with you this day and every day.